just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. here adam's not adam's in san francisco uh apparently not celebrating the eagles victory i'm sure he probably greased a pole anyhow because that's what philly people do no matter where they go coast to coast so adam and the philly faithful sorry about that i'm joined by kyle carr as per usual and uh our boss for at least a little while longer until sb nation gets rid of the website uh is here mitchell maurer uh guys how are we doing tonight Good. Um, yeah, Adam, I'm sure is not gonna have to deal with the angry Philly fans. Um, so that's good for him. I'm sure he's enjoying San Francisco. Um, but otherwise things are fine. Started my new job. It's been nice. Um, actually being at a place that isn't going to be a complete mess. So that, that was pretty cool. I, I will say that was pretty enjoyable. And the weather was pretty good. Um, it was like 40 something. So we went to the zoo. Very cool. What was your kid's favorite animal at the zoo today? Ooh. For Sterling, it was actually all the birds. All all the birds okay. were Sterling's favorite. Desmond, I would say the seals. It's pretty cool. Last the time tiger, I did my boys. They were definitely intrigued by the tiger, and there's a orangutan, a new baby orangutan at the Madison uh, Zoo. It, it was pretty that great. But I think I, I think for certain it was the birds. He was just really excited for all the birds and the giraffe. He's always excited to see giraffes. Well, giraffes are great. I mean, sometimes yeah. you get to feed them. It's wonderful. Last time nope. I took my boys. No, this time. The, <laughs> <laughs> the otter was the, the main highlight for them. Hmm. The otter. Uh, I did not go to the zoo today. I built a bunk bed today with one of my friends from work. It took – we didn't even finish. It still took seven hours just to get the structural integrity – to the point where I felt comfortable putting my progeny on a thing I built, which I don't know if the listeners know this. I'm not a particularly handy person. Uh, my father was a carpenter and I am not. So uh, if you hear any crashing while we're recording this, it's because I failed earlier today. And uh, that'll be the explanation for why I have to make a quick exit. It, how, how many vicious kicks did your wife apply to the frame of it once it was all done to be like, this is this passed by test? Zero that she let me see, which I, th- I think just our relationship is really grand. Yeah, good. Well, uh, speaking of teamwork, speaking of moving from a place that's going to be a mess into a winning situation, um, Jordan Wara is an Indiana Pacer, and he gets to keep his number 13 jersey for that. We're really excited. Um, Jay Crowder's in town. Jay Crowder, who feels like he has been a Milwaukee Buck for four to five months now, spiritually at least, uh, is now actually a Milwaukee buck. I'll just run through the details real quick before we open the floor on the big trade news. Um, so Jay Crowder's in for the bucks guys who are out George Hill, Serge Mofuziman, uh, Ibaka internationally acclaimed recording artist is gone. Jordan war is gone in five future second round picks. Um, for those who care about those details, 2023 second round, we have two picks, the more favorable, the two goes to Indiana, or I think, is it a swap? It might be a swap. I don't even know. Um, 2024, our picks go straight to Indy. Uh, 2025, we already have Indies second from that year, I think from the Brogdon trade, so it just goes back to them. 
And then for 2028 and 2029, those second round picks go to Brooklyn. So um, Mitchell, because you are the guest host this week, we'll open the floor to you first. Jay Crowder, are you, I have here happy, upset, indifferent. I'm sure there's a wider range of emotions between those three. So please, (laughs) please expand however you like how the Jay Crowder trade. Uh, let's see. I'm not upset, so we can we can eliminate that. The, the thing that obsessed me most about the Jay Crowder trade, which is not to not very much at all, is that we traded George Hill away again. Which, like, I, I feel for that guy. Like, he signed, we traded for him, and then we cut him to resign him, and we traded him away as part of the Drew Holiday deal, and then he came back, and now he's off to back to Indiana. Like, I was really hoping we could get George Hill a ring, and it just didn't work out. That's very sad. Um, I'm not necessarily happy about it because I haven't seen what Jay Crowder can actually do on a basketball court in nine months. And so, obviously, he remembers how to play. He knows how to defend. He does shoot threes willingly, which is a plus. Uh, His accuracy is here today, gone tomorrow. Or vice versa. So we've really no idea how effective he's going to be spacing the floor on offense. But at least on defense, he is a big, strong wing that doesn't back down from contact on either end of the floor and creates an environment where Coach Bud has another strong defender to throw out there when things get tight in the playoffs. And that's pretty valuable, as we saw in the, the Bucks 2021 run to the finals. Having really gritty defenders is just – it's the only way to get through a tough playoff series against a tough opponent. The Bucks do have competition in the East that will require strong wing defenders. And we've already got Drew Holiday. We've already got Wes Matthews as long as, you know, he's not washed up, which he looks great right now. Adding Dre Crowder to that mix makes it you, – you get a lot more wiggle room, I'll say. And so I think that is undeniably a good thing. Kyle, what do you think? I'm fine with it. I mean, I feel like the Bucks could have waited until the buyout to get Jay Crowder. I, I That's my only small thing is I'm sure he was someone that you could have gotten in the buyout market, but you get rid of two players that you know for sure were not going to help you in Serge Ibaka and Jordan Wara. So you got rid of them. Then you move on... George Hill, which is a bummer um, just because now it does leave that void in ball handlers. And yes, Javon Carter can do it, but is that something that you would ideally want? Probably not. With the playoffs, though, you will have Joe Ingles, you will have Chris, you will have Giannis. So at least you have other people that can take on that responsibility if Drew isn't on the floor, which is fine. But I think having one more ball handler and for all of his flaws, George Hill is still probably a more reliable ball handler than most of the players on the team. So that would have, that was kind of like a bummer. Plus it would have been nice to just see to, for George Hill to get traded again. I, I would, if he writes autobiography, I just want to know what he says about Bud and Horace. Cause I feel like getting traded the first time he was not happy about it. He, he was not thrilled. And I think he, I think he understood that it's a business, but I don't think he was still happy about getting traded. Cause I don't think anyone is, but this time around, I don't know. It, it just feels like, yeah, but you're getting five second round picks don't matter. I mean, sure, the 2023 would have been nice to have just to have one more asset that you can potentially trade away. But it, for every Malcolm Brogdon, 
Jokic. For every good second rounder, there's like 10 really, really bad second rounders that follow it. So I'm not too heartbroken with giving away five second rounders. That seemed to be the thing that every team was trading away was just four or five second round picks. So I don't think a lot of teams are really caring in that area. And best case, and I, I was going to say 2023 and 2024, those are probably going to be pretty late, like 40s, maybe 50s. Um, that you're going to be picking, and then maybe when it gets to like 2028, 2029, that's when you start. That maybe it's going to be a little bit higher, but by then, who cares? So I'm okay with the trade. Uh, I think what Jay Carter can bring is helpful, but I'm not going. To, I, I feel like it was a did this automatically make Milwaukee a favorite in the East? Not really, but at least there's another guy that you could look towards on the wing if. Wes is really, really struggling. If Joe Ingles is just getting badly exposed, you can throw Jay Crowder out there, and at least you have someone that could willingly shoot the three ball. One thing I wanted to uh, bring back up that you mentioned earlier on, Kyle, is that maybe Jay Crowder becomes available on the buyout market, and that's true. He might have. Um, and obviously because the interest Milwaukee had in him was – telegraphed so far in advance like we knew about this months ago months ago so it wasn't really a secret but by doing the trade now and yeah you did give up more assets to to process it before the deadline they also cleared two additional roster spots for again from people that weren't playing or weren't gonna play in a playoff rotation and that's additional bites at the particular apple you might get uh, on the buyout market, guys that might be able to contribute spot minutes, a la Jeff Teague in 2021. Um, I don't necessarily have high hopes on the buyout market, but at, at the very least, it gives us free content to generate. That's fun, right? Yeah, I, I feel like getting a ball handler is probably the, for me, that's what I would want to do with those open spots that you have in the buyout market. I think Reggie Jackson is supposedly going to the, the Nuggets, so that's one option that would have been fine. That's gone. Pat Bev, I don't know where he's going, but that's another one where it's like, okay, yeah, that wouldn't be a bad option if Russell Westbrook gets bought out. It would be hilarious. I don't think Milwaukee should do it. It would be funny, though. But there's a couple of, I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they convert Mamu or AJ Green's two-way, like maybe they convert one of their two-way deals into a full guaranteed roster spot. I I don't know what they're going to do. At this point, we're, it is more of a, can you take any of these things and make it worthwhile, whether it is emergency, random Jeff T game, or someone that you can trade next year for, again, another, and plus another six second-round picks because draft picks are made up at this point. I'm personally, I'm ecstatic. Uh, I Maybe John Horse is like, you know what? Bud only needs 11 guys. Anyhow, I should stop giving him crappy options that he might actually use off the end of the bench. So he'll leave those slots open. Um, if you look at the trade in the context of what you guys are saying, where Serge was actively no longer with the team and Jordan was not going to be long for the team. Anyhow, I look at this as uh, we traded George Hill for PJ Tucker with hair is my uh, running joke. And I think that's a, that's a pretty decent trade. Um, George is a competent ball handler, and yes, that's now an area of concern, but um, Mike Budenholzer loves George, and my concern would be, like, how much how much are we running George? Like, oh, but he kind of looks like he's still got it, and, like, he might have it enough-ish, or it's like, maybe it'll just force our hand to not 
rely on George. You know, I think that is a concern, but less of a concern given the fact that I thought uh, bringing in a guy like Jay who quit, obviously just like a dick and a pain in the ass to play against. I think that's, there's, there's value in that um, from a defensive standpoint. I think Joe Ingles can kind of run a little bit of like point forward ish stuff. We already have Drew, we have Chris, Giannis is getting the ball a lot. So I'm not super concerned about the loss there. Um, I'm just excited to have a guy who like will actually start fighting other dudes for the first time forever. Do you know how tired I am every night of watching the stoic BS from everyone on the team? Drew does it. He'll sometimes smirk when he looks at Mamu after making a three and doing his sword celebration. Uh, Chris, there's no emotion on his face. Giannis can't wink. He's physically incapable of winking. <laughs> Grayson, nothing. Like, think of how many guys are on the roster. Dr- Joe Ingles trash talks, which is good because now he's going to need Jay Crowder to like back it up with the muscle. And so it comes down to it. I think there, I think there is a value in that. I, I hate, I hate the number of times Giannis gets cheap shotted or somebody does something stupid to him and everybody on the team just kind of like gawks like, Oh, uh, hope Giannis up. Oh, uh, like, you know, the one time that, uh, who was it in Washington that really like dragged Giannis down? Was um, it Bobby? Uh, but Bobby is the guy who got involved, right? Yeah, he, he got right in, um, oh, I can't remember his name. He got right in his face. I was like, finally, somebody stepped to somebody like, you're not going to play that crap anymore. And I, I just, even if Jay gets in one physical art, art, uh, altercation, regular season, playoffs, whatever, um, I think he's good for six, like intelligent-ish or like, really physical fouls. Whereas, you know, you think of some guys like a Larry Sanders or guys who are foul machines and it's mostly like stupid fouls. Like Jay's going to make you Thanos. Hurt it by Thanos, you know, name whoever you want. Um, Jay is going to like literally just punch you at, like in the head <laughs> to be like, here, there's my first personal or whatever it happens to be. Um, and in terms of like his stats, so he hasn't played at all this year. He just said deuces to Phoenix, which, you know, <laughs> kind of wonder about that since it was theoretically it seemed like it was kind of a weird environment before they stabilized a little bit this season this is now he's on his eighth team in 11 professional seasons past two seasons that he actually played with the suns 127 appearances 109 starts in that span Uh, these counting stats you know take them or leave them 9.7 points on 40 36 and 77 shooting splits five rebounds a couple of assists couple steals um, and he also tweets in all caps. So it's not like I love that he'll be like Mitchell said, um, come and go in terms of three point shooting. He's a buck now, so he's going to shoot 15 percent from three in the playoffs. So just be ready for that. Um, I think it's literally going to be guarding other wings forwards, spelling a guy. Um, the one question I would have for you guys is we we went into this Jay situation where it seemed like he was not happy about being demoted behind Cam Johnson in Phoenix. Uh, he clearly has a high opinion of where he should be, at least in Phoenix or whatever his situation. He had a high opinion of where he should be within the pecking order. Um, this is now a team situation where we pretty much have a set rotation. I don't know how who's going to lose minutes if Jay suddenly jumps in. Any concerns about the fact that Jay had expectations of a larger role wherever he was previously and now coming into a team that for all intents and purposes, most of the, like, especially shot taking is mostly taken up as it it's is. It's kind of funny team. because then Cam Johnson does get traded. <laughs> like the guys that were ahead of him get traded. <laughs> That's very but, funny. 
No. Um, who I could see. I could see Grayson having a shorter leash. I, I feel like that's the one that's going to possibly see the diminished minutes for Jay Crowder is going to be Grayson Allen. Just because if you're looking at what each of them could do, Grayson Allen can do a little bit more on the ball. Jay Crowder can do a little bit more, can do more defensively. But if Bud decides to go with more of that switching kind of style, especially when, if they do play Boston, you're going to need Jay Crowder and his ability as a wing defender more than you're going to need Grayson Allen. And you can still get, hopefully, the same shooting ability. Um, so I would say Grayson Allen's probably the buck right now that probably sees their minutes reduced just because I'm thinking of other guys on the bench. And, I mean, Pat's going to play because he – I mean, Pat's been pretty good. Bobby's going to play. Joe Ingles is going to play. And those are your three. So if there is someone that could be left out, it is probably going to be Grayson Allen. It could also be Wes Matthews. Could be. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that. I, I What I am confident in is that, again, we knew about this so far in advance, and so those conversations probably happened well in advance of that report coming out. We, we literally, like they're, they're probably we talking literally about this. met with him weeks ago. Weeks ago, we just <laughs> met with him to be like, hey, yeah. so what's the deal, guy? But, Are you going to be cool or what? <laughs> they probably started talking about this during the 2021 finals when we played against Phoenix. That's how long ago these things start. <laughs> they were out on the um, court. They, they were just chit-chatting like, so, like, you know, can your agent hit our agent up? We'll figure something out or... <laughs> But I don't, I don't get the sense, just based on what we know about how the Bucks operate. I don't get the sense that there's going to be any sort of dispute or or hurt feelings about who starts, who plays in the rotation during the regular season. Everything's about the playoffs with this team. Everything's about the postseason. Um, I also don't expect them to just rush Jay Crowder into the rotation after being off for, you know, three trimesters, which is a lot. Uh, there could have been a baby conceived and born in between the time that Jay Crowder last played basketball and before he makes his debut this season. Uh, that's a long time. And so you're going to have probably, what, 20 games left before he actually gets a chance to play with his team to learn what it's like to play on this side of things with the Bucks. And so when we get to the playoffs, I can see them starting Crowder in a matchup where it makes the most sense. It's kind of the same thing that would happen – Again, we keep coming back to 2021 because that's the time where everything worked and we actually won the title. And so it might be one note, but it's the best note we have. So, of course, we're going to keep playing it. Um, Dante goes down with injury. They start P.J. Tucker in Dante's place. And essentially, Chris Middleton becomes your shooting guard, more or less. And the Bucks just outsize and outmuscle everybody that they can. Are they trying to just – are they setting themselves up to replicate that again by maybe you do need to bench – Grayson Allen because the matchup just isn't right. We, the, Bud's willing to do that. He essentially put Bobby on the bench during the Brooklyn series that year. So if, if if Grayson doesn't have what is needed, yeah, I'm sure they'll put out who is going to be there. Uh, so whoever that you know seven eight person rotation is going to be, it might change from series to series. They'll still be pretty limited to seven or eight players. And so Jay might not play as much the first round, but in the second round or in the conference finals, he might be heavily relied upon. We just, until things actually shake out, we just don't know, but I would trust that they've had those conversations. Yeah. And I was going to say, if the season were to end today, the Bucks would play either the Knicks or the Hawks in the play-in. 
So that is probably a series where you would go more Jay Crowder than you would Grayson Allen just because of the personnel that both of those teams have. And if they were to win that, then it's probably going to be facing Philly, which, uh, yeah, it, like Mitchell said, it's going to be a lot more matchup dependent. So I, I could definitely see a series where maybe Grayson Allen gets the bench, Jay Crowder gets the start. I Like I said, Pat Conson, I... I feel like Pat Connaughton would be the potential one, but I think he's just going to play, and it would make more sense for him to do so. Pat falls under the Bud Guys moniker. He's going to get minutes no matter what. And to be fair, he, he paid off in the past for the most part. Um, re- regarding future like contract issues, so by acquiring Jay through trade, uh, we get to keep his bird rights. Um, Wes oh, Matthews God, is not going to be a Milwaukee buck forever. <laughs> he's not. Against all odds, he's not going to be a buck forever. Um, Joe Ingles looks a lot better than I think anybody expected, um, but he's also a little bit older. So I think there is still a spot for Jay, assuming things work out, you know, the fit makes sense and culture-wise it's all good. Um, for us to bring a map be- back because you can never have enough, like, forwards to, to kind of give you different options. So I think from all that perspective, I, you know, who knows if they already have some sort of feature contract involved or in mind, but I'm sure that's, you know, part of the thinking as well as he can play cool now even if he doesn't get as many minutes as he would like now because opportunities to be there in the future we can bring it back etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm feeling good there um yeah i i just think uh seems like a general win to me now he could come back and be like james harden forcing his way out of houston out of shape i doubt it but there is going to be an amount of time even if he is in ex- like excellent shape getting up to game speed or whatever is going to take a little bit of time so uh, not going to judge him at all based on if he plays in the final two games before the all-star game um, or even like the first like five or so games um, immediate. I think PJ seemed like he made an immediate impact, but he was um, playing he for he Was he playing for Houston still all the way down to the stretch? Okay. Yeah. So Maybe not I, I would not be as surprised much, but he was actively on the roster, still making appearances throughout the season. It's Jay's been literally just like gone. So um Expect that uh, slow start for him. We'll come back in a couple weeks once we have a better idea of the fit um, to really evaluate. But I think overall, depending on who the buyout guy is, or even just based on who we have on the roster now, if the biggest loss is George Hill, I think it's a risk that you have to be willing to take just to get a little bit extra forward help, especially um, especially like you guys said with the matchups in the East. Um, let me think. Other questions I had. Any concerns that, uh, I mean, Serge was AWOL from the team as it was. Uh, now we're just for sure for centers, especially with Bobby gone, uh, just Brooke and Mamu. Um, they're like Brooke minutes too high. Is there any other holes on the team as of right now that you guys would kind of in an ideal world, like to fill via the bio market or whoever, like it could be 10 day guys or something like that too. Is there any specific role on the roster now for regular season purposes, at least? I mean, I'll, 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 I'll jump in and say, yeah, another point guard behind Drew Holiday and Javon Carter because like Drew is really truly more of a combo guard. He can play point, of course, uh, but Javon Carr is really the only true point guard on the roster. Having just another guy who can bring the ball up the court so that Chris or Giannis doesn't have to. Like I, I trust Drew Ingles to bring the ball up the court, but I also don't want to make that like like the plan B that we have to fall back on. You know when we don't have a point guard in the game. Um, another big would be nice. Just maybe, and I don't know if it's for my own comfort and, and feelings of safety, because, like, Brooke Lopez has been crazy good this season. 
like he had a legitimate All Star case. He's legitimately a part. Maybe it's cooled off some, but he's legitimately in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. You know, first team All Defense. He's got a really good shot at that because the guy is playing at one of the best seasons thus far that he's had since his time in Milwaukee. It's incredible what he's done. Like he was out for seventy games last year, and it, like this is just his new normal. If so, great. But also, just, it feels like, it feels like a big risk. And Serge Ibaka being that emergency big would have worked great if he was actually okay with that role. And it turns, based on what we understand right now, my assumption is that he wasn't okay with that role and wanted to go somewhere else where he would actually play. And okay, great. Good luck, Serge. I hope you land somewhere that isn't awful. Uh, maybe they'll appreciate your cooking show there better than we appreciated it here. Um, that's, yeah, just a ball handler and a big that is not a total stiff, which on the bio market is asking a lot already. Um, I, I've got low expectations, really and truly. If they convert Mamu, that's probably about as good as you're going to do as to any of these bigs that are on the bio market. Like, I just, and Mamu's fun. Mamu also brings vibes. Vibes are very important. Got to have good vibes. True. Yeah, I think if you're going to bring in a big, I would just look through the G League, see who's out there, give them a 10-day, see what they can do, and then that's what I would probably do is just look at what the G League has, see if there is someone that is young and athletic, and they probably don't have any ball skills, but if they're athletic enough, okay, fine. You can at least try and see, can that athleticism be helpful and maybe Bud will have to go more with the switch defense if Brooke or Bobby is unable to do so. So that that would be my approach is just see what's out there in the G League. Like the Wisconsin Herd have done a really good job at getting guys from their team over to the NBA. Like last year, I think they had like three or four guys that got to NBA rosters. There's a dude that's just scored 50 points on the Herd yesterday. Like there, there's apparently some talent. There's talent there. So I think it would be worth... And it doesn't have to be the herd, but that's kind of why you have a G League team in the first place, so that you do get that first look at a guy. So maybe just run a 10-day contract, see if it works, great, you can sign them, have them go through the rest of the season and figure it out from there. If it doesn't, okay, they can just go back to the G League. Like it, it, It's such a low risk and medium at best reward, but I think it's better than trying to find some very old, slow, they're like, like another Serge Ibaka where it's like the physical the physical things that would have made them really, really good for this Bucks team aren't there anymore. All right. Two more questions before we go into the in memoriam section of the trade deadline. Uh, are we, are we no longer, is this the end of Marjan's non-garbage time minutes now that uh, Jay has to like get up to speed? Are we going to see Marjan again the rest of the year? Or is that, is it pretty much a wrap now? I'm sure we will. Okay. I mean, he'll be, he's, 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 he's He's still on the team. He'll play occasionally. He's, I mean, he's still one of the better athletes on the team in terms of his ability to move in the open court, his verticality. Um, but, I mean, he just – conditioning, strength at the NBA level. Like, I think that Marjan showed a lot of great signs that point to him being a potential ro- rotation player in this league. I just – I don't think he's going to have that much more opportunity to show it that's just that's just the way the the cookie crumbled this season. Yeah, I think he'll probably get 
there will probably be a stretch of games where he does come off the bench because I'm sure Bud will be very cognizant of keeping Wes fresh, keeping Jay up to speed and fresh. Like he's going to make sure that guys are still in a good physical condition. I'm sure Marjan will get chances. I don't think he'll play in the playoffs, but this season was all about, can this guy even be a rotation player in the NBA? And I think the answer is yes. Like, I think there are signs that show that he can be that at the very least. Like he, again, he's not worse than Jordan Wara. So that's already a win. Like he already showed that he could be, if he was out there, he's not going to be a complete train wreck, which is good for a rookie. So I, I don't think he's going to get much yeah. opportunities, but he will definitely get some looks just because between load management and keeping other guys fresh, he'll get his chances. You guys think Greg Monroe has more, one more run in him? He has one more time. No, no. God, <laughs> Riley. When Kyle said old, creaky, big, my mind immediately flashed to one man in particular. <laughs> it was <laughs> former superstar Greg Monroe. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, flashed it and one man? <laughs> uh, but uh, but, but moving on. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. Tough and crowd. no, Earth is not a bubble either. Let's just get that out of the way, too. <laughs> Oh, that's actually that's another good shot. I'm surprised Ursan's not part of the coaching staff. Just to just chill, he's probably he's probably chilling at home. I can't imagine he lives in the Milwaukee area, still, right? He's just chilling out. Um, okay, do you guys want to do unnamed the, member of the ownership group? Uh, <laughs> Ursan Haslam. Um, oh no. Okay, do you guys want to do the in memoriam for the three guys we sent out first, or the dreaded eight man playoff rotation as it currently stands? Exercise which one first? let's do the memorial because i i don't know what the hell i'm gonna pick for this eight man okay all right let's so, to put in context i had aj green in there at the last time we did this <laughs> yeah you were aj green was in pencil with a with a question mark but like you know you were <laughs> was your wish was kind of over but not fully uh we were in dark times last time we talked to the eight man rotation a month ago um okay in memoriam of for uh george jordan and serge they were all players. George was the most impactful, uh, by far, um, best second best player on our Eastern Conference final team, which is a damnation of that team as it was constructed. Um, Serge, completely useless, released an album with a couple good tracks on it, which I appreciate. Um, and Jordan seemed like he had some promise. I was for a hot second, I was like, wow, John Horse actually did it. He got somebody useful in the second round, and then. Jordan just never played defense. <laughs> he would play it for like 45 seconds. It's like, that's about it. So uh, good good luck to I him. Glad he got another contract good for him. I think Jordan Nora is going to do a great job averaging like 17 points a game for a 30-win team someday. It's too bad the Kings are good because the Kings would have been obvi- an obvious destination in previous times for, for Jordan. Hey, who are the, who are the, the new Pacers Kings? Are the, Kings are good good the Pacers are a good stealth tank option for him to lead. If they realize they're doing, they were doing too well. They're, I think they're on like a 10 or 11 game losing. Like they're having a rough go at it. Yeah. They got to get back down there because the teams that are at the bottom of the standings, they're not going to get any better. The, the Spurs, no. The Rockets just brought back John Wall. That's going to end poorly. The Magic, at some point, are going to shut down Paolo Banchero because they're going to realize, no, that's he's doing too well. 
we can't allow this. There's, there's, and the Hornets are just bad. Like, there's too many teams, and so the Pacers going to do it. But I, I think with Jordan Wara, he was what was advertised. He could be a microwave scorer. Like, he could get hot. He can't play defense. It is what it is. You know, it, it's a second round pick that's worth a gamble. Serge Ibaka, still love this cooking show. The album was pretty good, so appreciate that. Uh, with George Hill, I think it was just. The age, I think age has just got to him. I think the age just really got to him this go around. Um, and that'll happen. He was, he was, I do want to note, he was contemplating retirement before the season. Once you publicly state that, <laughs> everything is on the table in regards to whether or not you're going to continue to be a member of the team if you have a sizable salary. Uh, Mitchell, anything nice to say about our dearly departed? I inherently trust George Hill to bring the ball up against playoff pressure just to initiate the offense. And that is not something I can say about Jordan Mora or Serge Ibaka. I'll miss George the most. Amen. Okay. Eight man rotation. Let's go. So haven't seen Jay Crowder in nine months. We have no idea what he looks like. I would like to hear from both of you who your eight man rotation is in the playoffs. I will go first just so you guys have time to look at the roster who you want to pick. Um, obvious ones. This is the locks for everybody are <laughs> Drew, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke. Uh, right now, I think Grayson is in there. That gets me up to five. Um, we'll do Joe. Joe will get me to six. Pat will get me to seven. <laughs> Am I going to throw Jay Crowder out? I, I'm, <laughs> hmm. I'm going to I'm going to put oh god. Okay, I'll put Bobby in there. But I I am torn because it's the Joe J hinge point that is where everything is going to come down to. Do you need offense off the bench or do you need somebody's going to be like a real pain in the ass on defense? At this point, I'm going to keep prioritizing offense because we are still completely capable of going off the cliff with that. And Bobby has been a little hit or miss offensively in the playoffs in the past, but in theory, he's more apt to score than Jay is um, on his own, especially if we need a garbage bucket. So, um, yeah, I'll do the five starters. Pat, Joe Ingles, and Bobby are my uh, guys off the bench. Kyle, what say you? I'm... Okay, so Brooke, Giannis, Chris, Drew, Pat. So that's five. We'll have Joe Ingles. Because I I thought he was going to be more washed, but he has been a pleasant surprise. Um, I'll give Bobby... I think Bobby at least earns the chance to put up a fight. And then I'm going to put Jay Crowder. I, I feel like it came down between Grayson and Jay Crowder, and I'm going to go Jay Crowder because if Jay Crowder can't hit a shot, at least he can do something defensively. If Grayson Allen can't hit a shot, it gets really dicey on what can he provide. And I think out of – and like I said, out of anyone, he seems the one that's going to – see their minutes suffer the most. And you don't make yeah. this trade yeah, it's, and it's, try and bring in Jay Crowder if you're not going to put him in your playoff rotation. 
Yeah, that's that. That was one of the points that I had floating around in my head was the fact that they went out of their way to get their guy that they telegraphed all along that was was their guy that they were trying to get. It, it I cannot foresee a circumstance that would come to pass where Jay Crowder isn't a part of that group. Um, so for posterity, my group is going to be the same as Kyle's. The four, you know, the four core starters: Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, Pat. Which, by the way, I think it's often overlooked how like Pat Connaughton is just a given in the eight man playoff rotation. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna play. He's gonna he be was, the guy. He was Kyle's like, fifth guy. Is so, was, yeah, fifth yeah. guy with the starters. That's how quickly he. That's how so, much of a lock he is. So versatile, uh, like great rebounder for a guard, guard slash wing, whatever he is. Um, just very reliable. Which I mean, good on you, Pat. Great career development. Um, I can see Bobby being marginalized in the rotation if the Bucks needed more outside. Shoot- I mean, Bobby's a great outside shooter for a big, but the Bucks are going to play Giannis like forty minutes a game, as well they should. They're going to play Brook a lot, and for any minutes that Brook isn't on the court it might be necessary to go small ball with Giannis at the five, which makes a lot more sense to have Joe Ingles or Jay Crowder out there alongside him as the nominal forwards. You know, Pat Conta does a little bit of everything. You have Chris and Drew, like those are your lineups. Um, and really, and this is something that I don't think we've really fully realized because we haven't seen it yet, but when you think about the team that can, you, can, you can put out there with that eight-man rotation, like there's a fair amount of shooting that's there. Like, Chris can shoot. Brooke can shoot. Drew can shoot. Giannis will shoot. Uh, Pat Connaughton <laughs> hits threes. Joe, Joe Engel hits threes. Like, Jay, Jay Crowder's super streaky. But, like, what what is Grayson Allen giving you that you absolutely need to have when you have so many other options to shoot from the perimeter and to space the floor? Now that I'm saying, I actually, I actually think that Grayson Allen's improved a fair amount this year, especially as a defender. I don't know how good he is on the scale of NBA defenders, but he's definitely better. He would still get picked on in an environment that we saw with Boston last playoffs, where they've got J- Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Malcolm Brogdon now. Like they got a bunch of dudes that are bigger and stronger that can work on the perimeter and target a defender like Grayson Allen, but. If we have that much other shooting on the team, Grayson's skills just don't – the, the positive that he brings isn't as much a positive as Joe Ingles' playmaking or Jay Crowder's defense or Bobby's rebounding, you know? And so that, yeah, that's, that that, that's the rationale was, why. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking I have to think of an eight-man rotation against Boston. Like that is the – you're going against Boston in the series. Who's your eight people? And that's why I went with that logic. Because, you know, if they went against the Sixers, I think you could put Grayson Allen out there a little bit more. I think if they went against Cleveland, it might get a little bit dicey. That one is probably a, you're going to need size. And it's kind of weird because, yeah, Pat Connaughton would make the most sense in terms of size-wise, like, Probably need to. He would probably be the one, or even Joe Ingles. Like that might be one where Joe Ingles might have to take a backseat to Jay Crowder is against a team like Cleveland, who's just much larger and more physical and more athletic. But when I'm thinking about it in terms of against Boston, it just makes more sense. You're going to need wing defenders to handle Tatum and Brown, 
Grant Williams if he's out there. Like you're, there's a lot more wing players that Boston has that could cause a threat than most other teams. I want to give a shout out to John Horst. Uh, now, part of it is Suki Hobson is earning every dollar they pay her, uh, getting all these creaky dudes together at the right time looking good. Seems like the gamble so far still got like 20 some odd games left, but it seems like going with old dudes or guys who are still in their prime, but kind of on the, you know, back half of their prime looks like it might be okay. I mean, we just talked through a lot of options where so long as Mike Budenholzer, I think he'll need like a game or two if it's not working right away to figure out who's the right guy. We have a lot of guys to address a lot of different fires that might need need to get put out. It's not just like Jeff Teague, you know, I'm not, we're not doing this exercise. Like, okay, we got to get Jeff in there because it's like him or some other guy. Um, So I, I, I just think overall, no matter who your eight man rotation is, we have guys who can play in the eight man rotation. Like it goes even two or three deeper past that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to jump in and say, because it's pretty remarkable that, you know, everybody, is is kind of on the fence on whether Grayson Allen will make the eight-man playoff rotation or not. But if there's an injury and Grayson gets moved up, and oh, ideally not into like the Chris Middleton spot where he has to create a hell of a lot more, that didn't work out. And it's not his fault. It just like it just didn't work. But Grayson can play in the playoffs. Wes Matthews again, provided that he's healthy and spry enough, he can play in the playoffs. Javon Carter, I think the size is really his biggest issue in a playoff environment that and the fact that he sometimes gets real shy about shooting when he's open and he needs to find a shot but like if you put Javon Carter on the floor with the rest of the playoff level starters with this team like you can survive for a few minutes that's 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 what I'm saying you you wouldn't get exposed in the minutes that he plays like that's that's a really good position to be in where you have that kind of reliability on the bench that you can bring in, you can you can give some someone some trust. No, not for a quarter, not for even half of a quarter, but for like a few minutes here and there, where you got to give your main guys a breather. Like you could do a lot worse, a lot worse. Yeah. All right, we're feeling pretty good. As of a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, I don't know. Even a month ago, it seemed a little dicey. All of a sudden, winning ten straight will will help you feel a lot better about how the team is doing. Turns out. Um, okay, we'll move on to the rest of the league uh, just real quick. Nothing too intensive. Um, in terms of East teams, uh, Boston, the Celtics acquired Mike Muscala, who is a tall white guy who shoots, as far as I know. Um, Philly got Jalen McDaniels. I think I know his his brother, Jaden, plays for the Wolves. I don't know what Jalen does, but I think yeah. Jaden McDaniel is like a starter for the Wolves. I have no idea about Jalen. Miami did nothing. Brooklyn obviously blew things up. The Cavs didn't do anything. And I have... For the listeners at home, it's written in our notes as Bumronto and Shy Bumko. <laughs> they they also they also did not do anything of real note besides getting Jakob Proto for uh, Bumronto. So I'm just going to clear the deck for Kyle to say whatever he needs to say because yeah, everybody, everybody clear out, everybody clear out. Yeah, <laughs> let me cook. Like how I, it is funny. I'll I'll go, I'll get to those two bums last. Um, Philly. I feel like Philly's kind of already made their bet. It's like they, they're just going to have to roll with Embiid, Harden, and hopefully Tyrese Maxey can show up. And that's just – they're going to live with those three and they're going to die with those three and they still have Doc Rivers as a coach. So 
I don't think Philly's doing better than they were earlier, but I don't think anyone really sees Philly as a true threat. Um, Miami not doing anything is hilarious because that was a team that probably needed to do something. And I guess there was a report and I was going out there that Miami was trying to do a trade and Pat Riley was not able to be reached at all to sign off on the deal, which is hilarious in my opinion. But I think Miami is a team that they needed to make a move. Them not doing it is a surprise, especially when it sounded like they're trying to get rid of Kyle Lowry because that wasn't working. Um, Brooklyn made the right choice. It, it wasn't going to work. It, their project failed. They got a pretty good return on it. I mean, getting Cam Johnson and McCall Bridges is a good move to do so. Um, they're still stuck with Ben Simmons. So, you know, sucks for maybe, I don't know what you do if you're Brooklyn. You had to blow it up. You had to start over because it didn't work. Try to get as much as you can. Hope that in three or four years you can try again. Cleveland not doing anything is not that surprising because I feel like if Cleveland wanted to really make a statement move and try and move up, that would have required the part with a good young piece that they have, which I don't think they want to do and I don't think they should do. So I think Cleveland not doing anything was the right choice. Um, and then you get to Bumronto and uh, Shy Bumgo Bulls. <laughs> I don't know what these two idiots organizations are thinking, especially the one down south, uh, the Bulls. Your team is not good enough. Maybe you'll make the playoffs. You're probably going to be a play-in team. You needed to do something. You have Zach Levine, who openly was not happy because he didn't play, because he is not that great. Like He is C-ball, shoot ball, and if ball doesn't go in, then what the hell is he doing? So the fact that they just looked at their roster and said, yeah, we're good. That, that's just a loser mentality franchise, which I, the fact that Michael Jordan even got six championships out of those idiots, um, shocking, and I think really does cement his place as a GOAT. Toronto really <laughs> thinking that they have a chance to win the East. Shams had tweeted that, oh, with Brooklyn blowing up, that's one less team that's in their way. And I think and Toronto thinks they really have a chance. So getting Jakob Pertl is the answer. What? That's what you're going to, that's what, that is what you think. Hey, we can really make some noise. We can really make the next step. Let's get Jakob Pertl. That's kind of like when you're going to tell your significant other, hey, we're going to have a really good dinner. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great date night. And you pull up to a fucking Denny's. <laughs> you're not giving them anything good. You're actually giving them nothing that gets you excited. It's like if someone told me, hey, we're going to go to Denny's, I'm going to wonder what drug operation are we running because that's there's no logical explanation for this. So good job, Bumronto. You really, you're really going to make that statement of intent. You could have probably cashed out an OG Anobi and really gotten something of value. Instead, you are going to be this mediocre bumness with your war criminal who probably will get fired at the rate he's going with how underachieving this is just a very underachieving team and the the fact that they thought yes this is our chance to really make a move and Jakob Pertl is their answer is hilarious and delusional Jakob Pertl is the Jakob Pertl is the uh, early birds special that you can't get that anywhere else it's only a Denny's from <laughs> 2 to 4 30 p.m. Every weekday, can't beat that. Yeah, this is when you this is when you say, "Yeah, let him cook," and then you realize that the kitchen is on fire and you have this <laughs> disgusting meal to come out of it. Like, 
what are these uh, again toronto uh, toronto's on the bottom end they're like 10th right now they're just barely making the playing game if that's the move you're thinking is really going to make you take the next step chicago's not even in the playing game and you're expecting and you've invested all this money in mediocre nonsense and not doing anything even if they tried making a big home run trade at least show some ambition like all your this is worse than doing doing nothing is probably the worst thing they could have done because you either either just be bad or try and you're just treading the nothingness that is mediocrity speaking of which cry about grayson allen in two weeks i'm sure god what a Uh, i just want to i just want to put this out there into the world I just want to put this out there in the world really quick. Masai Ujiri, widely acclaimed as this basketball mastermind. Washed. I don't don't trade with Masai. Don't 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 make a deal with Toronto. You, you, you no tell what might happen. Is his reputation entirely based on admittedly fleecing the Knicks when they were at their dumbest? by dumping Andrea Bargnani on them and being available and giving up on DeMar DeRozan and splitting up the DeMar and Kyle Lowry duo because Kawhi Leonard was super upset with the Spurs and just wanted out. And obviously, like, they won a championship, so it was worth it. Great job, Masai, for getting a banner up in Air Canada Center or whatever the arena is called. But... What else has Masai Ujiri really done to deserve the reputation that he has? Riley's holding his hand up. What do you got, Riley? Masai Ujiri is what is Daryl Morey was hoping he would be with Galaxy braining everything. It's that Masai Ujiri's gamble did work, and props to him for it working. But it really, he is right, and, and I think that has given him a lot more goodwill than probably is warranted at this point. Yes, fleecing the Knicks, congrats, you fleece the Knicks. It's like fleecing the Kings back in the day. You're not doing it's like, it's, it's special. Like, it's, it's like peaking in high school. Like, yeah, I'm really glad that you won your conference title, you know, 25 years ago. Good job. You You really need to show up to work on time, man. Like, come on. You guys are overlooking the fact that um, Masai is one of Giannis's six father figures. From what I gather, Masai, Masai was yeah. there. He Not literally he, a grandfather figure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From what I hear, Masai was there to help deliver Giannis or something along those lines. That's how deep it goes. That's you. You do. It does seem like the special connection talk about how Giannis is going to be a Raptor. I haven't heard about that in a very long time. So the nonsense of Giannis going to be a Miami Heat and that team looks like a complete waste of space besides Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I loved I loved the tweet um, after the fact for Toronto where they said Masai and whoever the assistant GM is like, we learned a lot about the value of our players. Like we don't know how to evaluate them. Essentially, is what we learned a lot. They're not worth shit, <laughs> yeah. or they're we think they're worth way more than they actually are. <laughs> um, yeah, and we're deluded. Uh, I think the main takeaway from the rest of the trade deadline is 
it's a three team, four team, depending on how you feel about the Cavs race um, in the East. Brooklyn, Brooklyn will be now like a cute, like, oh, the expendables frisky. will like, go on a run. Yeah, they're they're the exact like frisky team that will crash out of the playoffs, like almost guaranteed. Wait, wait you said three or four teams. So wait, wait, wait. Boston, Milwaukee, if you're saying Cleveland, okay, that's three. I, so you're, you're right. You're right. I've, I was going to slander Philly and I forgot. I just read it. I looked over to the left. I, I'm not riding with Joel Embiid and James Harden. So yes, there are three teams. It's going to do something amazing that we're just not aware of. Like, is there, is there another team at the bottom that I'm not paying attention enough to? He's going to, he's going to, Daryl Moore is going to tweet more angrily about how his players are disrespected. Yeah. So it's Boston, us, and maybe the Cavs, if you feel like they're going to get hot at the right time. Um, And I generally think it's knock on wood. Jalen Brown just broke his face. So God only knows how long he'll be out, but the one seed is, uh, it's easily in reach. We're only a game back as of when I checked a little bit earlier today. Um, A game and a half. We've, we've won 10 straight. um, And if we were to face Boston, I'd feel decent about it. So I think all all in all, like if that's what you're looking for out of the trade deadline, two thumbs up. I think we, we solidified where we needed to. And like we discussed earlier, have a pretty solid uh, rotation. So um, Western Conference, we'll talk about that later if we need to. But it's, you know, Good somewhat irrelevant. We're getting to the finals. It's That's our main goal. Whoever's there on the other side, we'll talk about it then. Um, moving off of the trade deadline, quick hits uh, before we get to the break um, and then the miscellaneous uh Lazary might actually sell uh, to a horrible, horrible situation. Jimmy Haslam. Do not trust a 70 year old man who still goes by Jimmy. That's that's one of the biggest red flags <laughs> ever. Huge red flag. Um, Jimmy Haslam, uh, flying pilot, J gas station owner guy, um, but primarily known in sports circles as the owner of the Cleveland Browns, the hapless Cleveland Browns and the Columbus crew um, from what we know Lazary apparently has about 25% of the stake in the team. He's looking to sell out. We've known about that for a couple months now. Um, Haslam is rich as shit. Uh, he's got like, you know, 5 billion in net worth. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything in terms of liquid assets he can pour into the team, but rich as hell. And he owns multiple teams. So unsurprisingly, he's going for another, the biggest thing in terms of short term, what we care about is the governorship so right now um mark lasry holds the governorship which is essentially the trump card like the final vote on meaningful decisions if they can't work it out amongst the owners um he's supposed to hold that until 2024 if he was to sell it presumably the team would rewrite the um ownership agreement whether that would mean Wes edens was automatically become governor they abolish it i doubt it or god forbid jimmy haslam some total like rando shows up and is given the keys to the castle we don't know yet. Um, I don't know if you guys have any. And again, notoriously, the Browns are a horrible sports organization who employ idiots and also uh, serial sexual assault abusers, whatever. Uh, so uh, not not a great background from the teams that he already owns. But um, I don't know if you guys have any takes. Any yeah, I could. Even if we want to look at just general how his teams are done under his ownership not even putting into the fact of the decisions they make just the columbus crew is an interesting one because i think he didn't necessarily well he has an owner he kind of just came in more to keep that team in columbus 
because otherwise they would have moved to Austin. That was kind of like the big situation over there. So him kind of coming in was more of a just keeping him there, kind of stabilizing and trying to base the MLS performances really hard because there's so much parity that it's, it's really hard to really maintain dynasties or you can't consistently be bad or consistently good. It's kind of what that is. Now with the Cleveland Browns, to Jimmy Haslam somewhat credit, they have now gone from absolute tire fire worst franchise in the history of the NFL to maybe every once in a while they can be competent, but that's still a very big stink of general incompetence under his watch. And then if we're going to go to the aspect of decision-making, this is a guy that oversaw the drafting of Johnny Manziel. That did not work. This is a guy that not only decided we're going to trade a lot for Deshaun Watson, who didn't, who you could have gotten much lower, but decided to give him a lot of money despite him having 23 charges of sexual misconduct. Uh, and he had to serve a suspension. And they still said, yes, we are going to get that guy because they thought he was going to be, he's that good of a quarterback that you can just brush that aside. And when, even when he came back, he wasn't that good. So now you're stuck with this guy who might not be as good as you thought, and you paid him a lot of money, and there's still this whole sexual misconduct thing that is going to follow him. And that's just the thing. It's just more of a, there's nothing about whether, how his teams have done under his ownership, and I'm going to say primarily Cleveland Browns, how they've done under his ownership or decision-making, that makes me feel great about this, regardless of how much say he'll have and if he gets governorship, etc., it's just more of a, why would you bring a guy like this in? This is not a guy. It, it, if this was a guy that was at least winning, then I'm sure more people would be like, well, at least he's winning. But he's not even doing that. So not only are you just being a shitty person, you're being a shitty person running shitty franchises. I I do, I do yeah. want to note here regarding, if you're wondering, okay, it doesn't sound great. So like, you know, how involved is he in like the day to day uh, report from CBS sports? The, uh, <laughs> the headline from 2014 says Jimmy Haslam says homeless man convinced him to draft Manziel. So and that's <laughs> not, not the worst decision he has made. <laughs> <laughs> the, the quote, the quote from Haslam is here in Cleveland, everywhere I go, people know me. And I was out to dinner recently and a homeless person was out on the street, looked up, 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 uh, looked up at me and said, "Quote draft Manzel," and then they did. So, you know, I'm, it's just it's there just is a very odd, there is precisely yeah. like whatever number is so infinitesimally small that it's barely above zero. It's that percent chance that, that story is true. <laughs> that he's out to dinner in Cleveland, and a homeless person looks up, recognizes him, connects the dots that <laughs> oh, that's the owner of the Cleveland Browns. And instead of saying, hey, got any change? Or literally anything else tells him to draft Manziel. I mean, I know this is 10 years old at this point, but it's... It's a good, it's it's a good story. story yeah, absolutely not true, but sure. it's a good story. Yeah. That's Even like I said, the Columbus crew have recently won an MLS Cup, but that was more on this. It's kind of a, once you make the playoffs, it's the NFL. You're kind of doing just one-off situations. So if you get hot at the right time, great. It's not like they were world beaters in the MLS when they won that title. It was kind of a scrappy 
they somehow just kept winning and other teams that should have won lost. But yeah, that's all I got to say about Haslam. I don't like it. Herb Cole, come back. <laughs> I would gladly accept Herb Cole buying back in. I don't know if Herb Cole can afford it, but uh, I don't think I, hopefully he invests his money well. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, I'm not going to relitigate all the things that Kyle said. I agree with Kyle. I also don't like it. Um, I think that Jimmy Haslam is interested in one thing, and that's making money. Because that's what he's done for his, most of his life. I think was, his family has was like comes from oil money, and so his first big break in business was this truck stop chain. Uh, and I believe, I wrote the newser for the site when this news first came out, I believe that his only company is getting acquired by Berkshire Hathaway uh, between this year and next year. And so Haslam's going to have a ton of liquid capital available to spend. And if buying into the Milwaukee Bucks is a venture that he can increase his profits, that's a thing that he's going to want to do. Uh, and also it just, it kind of makes plain that Mark Lazary has gotten everything he needed out of Milwaukee. Like, and I'm not saying Mark Lazary did a bad job as an owner. I'm not going to say that one bit. But between getting the stadium built with a fair amount of public resources, uh, between buying up and developing a whole bunch of real estate around there, which I'm sure is where Pat Connaughton picked it up from. I learned from watching you, Mark, um, getting his son to run for Senate in a campaign that predictably didn't even make it to the general election. And I don't know what Alice is going to do now, but he's going to go do something. And he's certainly going to post about it. Like he's like fully invested in that thing. Not like he was not fully invested in the thing they did before that or before that or whatever, but we all have short memories. So nobody's going to remember. Uh, if Lazarus ready to cash out and you want to find somebody who has money that's willing to buy in, I mean, is Haslam the best person you can find that has the money at that time? Maybe. It's either that or the sovereign funds from across the way over in the Middle East, and maybe maybe that's the way it's headed. I don't know. And that's not better. Couldn't say. As bad as Haslam is, not better. being state-owned is not better. Yeah. yeah, it's a... It could be... And again, I don't want to be like alarmist or anything, but it could be a a signal of just a paradigm shift for how sports teams are, because the valuations are just skyrocketing across the board. And NBA teams are not anywhere near as valuable as NFL teams. Like I've given up on watching the NFL almost a decade ago, just completely given it up. I could, I didn't even know the Super Bowl was today. Had no idea. The Eagles and the Chiefs. Yeah. Those are teams I've heard of playing Madden 10 years ago. That's great. And they're worth so much more money than NBA franchises. And so if this is a way where somebody that's currently in the NFL is looking to jump ship and get into the NBA on the financial side of things and, again, grow their money because that's all that they want to do, maybe that's you can spin that into a positive sign. Like, oh, yeah, people think the Bucks are really going to be a safe investment for the next, you know, however long Giannis is here for. So I guess that's a silver lining you can try to take away. But overall... Yeah, I agree with Kyle. It is, it is not great. The one thing I will say is he quite clearly doesn't mind having teams in crappy Rust Belt Midwest cities. So, uh, you know, Milwaukee, 
it's just nicer Cleveland. So we got that going for us. He's going to show up. He's like, wow, this place, you guys really got it going here. So that, he, he uh, yeah, to his credit, he is willing to keep a team in a Midwest city that most people don't find desirable. Yeah. So yes, he's, it will not be hard for him to understand the dynamics of a uh, rust built city in the Midwest. So, um, okay. Well, if there's nothing else on that, we're going to take a quick break. There might be ads. There might not be. I have no idea. Um, and on the other side, <laughs> we got a quiz. That's we got fine. predictions for the week. And uh, yeah, catch you on the other side. Okay. We have a quiz. Now this, I hyped this before the recording to Mitchell and Kyle. This is my most complicated so far. Um, which, so if you're listening and you don't feel like <laughs> listening to Kyle and Mitchell him and haw for 20 minutes this is a good time to get out but i'm going to have <laughs> us go back trade deadline um john horst since he has arrived at, this is the john horst mike boonholz era he has made now eight trades involving player for players there was one trade the malcolm brogdon trade that was a sign-in trade where he just got picks back um but he has now made eight trades in total where he sent out a player at least one and acquired at least one player back so we know the most recent at this previous trade deadline. We are going from 2018-2019 season. There's two ways we could do this. We could either go back chronologically and see how you guys get it, but if we can just start naming guys we have acquired via trade or sent out via trade, um, I'll tell you this, there's 25 of them. So we Jesus. have oh, <laughs> we have sent out or acquired 25 players in, since 2018-2019, um, not including this most recent trade. All right. Are there any rules to how are we just shouting names out? Because I got I got a bunch of names I need to shout out. So so in the past, how we did it was, and you can go first, Mitchell, since you're the guest on this one. Um, we would kind of do Wonderful. if you get the name, you get a point, and then we'll switch over to Kyle. Now because there are so many, and I think we'll probably we'll probably keep that. Kyle can kind of then jump off of those as we go along. Um, yeah. But like I said, twenty five. If we start really running low, I will start giving hints as to where it is. But. Um, Mitchell, you have the floor to begin. The easiest one is Nikola Mirotic, the original John Horst slash John Heist maneuver to uh, turn other players and a bunch of second-round picks into what we thought was going to be that extra piece to put us over the top. And then he got real cold in the playoffs. And then he almost immediately fled the NBA as we're playing in Europe ever since, living his best life, so... Cheers to you, cheers to you, Nicola. Are we saying all the players that got traded, or are we just doing? So, like Mitchell used that trade. Would mm-hmm. I? So I could just say the Bucks gave up Stanley Johnson and Thon Maker to make that deal work. Uh, we we could do that if you guys want. If you want to do it piece by piece, sure. Okay, so well, sure. so you get a point, Kyle, for Thon oh. Maker, but there was uh, Stanley Johnson. He never actually ended up with the Bucks because it was a wider trade. That's true. So you did get a point for Thon Maker. <laughs> That's right. So I wrote, I wrote that news. Other we, we were, we were, I wrote that we were expecting, uh, we were expecting Stanley Johnson to play. Like, oh, how was he fit in? And then they changed it, and so he never played. Go, but yeah, Thon 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 Maker, who demanded a trade that season, which is very funny. <laughs> Bumbling a bag. <laughs> uh, Do you know the other guy, Mitchell? Uh. The other player who's involved in this transaction, yeah. Uh, I saw this player played games for the Bucks. I think it was that mm-hmm. season. Jason Smith. 
That is it. Yes, Jason Smith was the other guy sent out to New Orleans. Okay. I know there's another name that I think was involved in it, but I don't know if he ever played for the Bucks. Can I put that name out there now just for funsies? Sure. sure. Yeah, I need, I have to pull it up again. Was it? Go for it. Wasn't Roy Hibbert rerouted in that that trade as well? I want to say Roy Hibbert was, was somehow involved. It was in that. it was the season before because Roy Hibbert and Marvin Williams, God bless them, they uh they had a That's crossover right. season after season after they had a crossover those two. Okay, 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 okay. That's right. I sh- I remember like Roy Hibbert. He still plays and like he plays for the. Oh, okay, they're rerouting him. All okay. right, I will go to the title winning season when the Bucks acquired PJ Tucker. Okay, PJ Tucker is off the board in that trade. Mitchell, would you like to continue on that trade? Oh man, who do they all send out for PJ Tucker? Oh, I mean, we go from PJ to DJ. DJ Wilson. Okay, we can't DJ forget Wilson him. off the board. Yep. Okay, but Kyle. also DJ Augustine. The other DJ as Very well. Good. Yep. Okay. <laughs> And there was one. That's the lob, the jam right there. There was one more player involved, Mitchell. Oh, that's right. Who was another player involved in that deal? I remember not being very upset about it at all. It was totally fine that they moved this player. Oh, wait. I don't know if he was involved in that trade or not. Uh, I'm so stuck. Uh, I'm going to lose the point because I'm stuck on the third player that was in the PJ Tucker deal. DJ Wilson, DJ Augustine, and there's a third player to make the money work. Who was the third player to make the money work? I'm I'm gonna give you Kyle. Do you do you have a guess? Yeah, I don't get steal if you want it because I can't get there. I don't know if he was part of this trade because I know he left the team. Tory Craig. It was not Tory Craig. So (gasps) I I will tell you this guy's this. This person came in with PJ. It was not an outgoing player. It was an oh guy. I know who it is now. Yep, I remember. I, I, uh, I came sure I remember. in with he was. <laughs> I'll, I'll give Mitchell a chance, but otherwise, hopefully, Kyle. I'm racking. I'm racking my brain. I'm not. Who came back in the PJ Tucker trade with him? He was I not long from Milwaukee. He was not long from Milwaukee. It was yeah, I like, I can't remember who it was. His name, it's like Ronald Kurix or something. That's, like, Well, it's close enough. Rodion's Kurix was the. Uh, That's the right. The point for that because one. I remember. And they played like a handful of games and they got waived. I was like, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> yeah. Then he played like six minutes in a game and then we cut him uh, shortly thereafter. Oh, that. No. So. Okay. Another trade down. Uh, Mitchell, you can go. Anywhere. We've covered okay. Nicole and PJ Tucker and Rodion Kurix coming in. Those are the two trades we've covered so far. And those are the big ones. Uh, okay. What happened last year? Who got moved last year? I, I would I would it's, argue I, there so f- has there has I'd argue there has been a bigger trade than even <laughs> um than even God damn it, yep. <laughs> I'm just so flustered by uh by everything. I was like, who mid, was it? I was like mid-season de- trades. Yeah, no, this is this could be any time within the this is any time within the transaction period. I guess, if it's a I mean, player I for I, a player, I guess there were players involved in the Drew Holiday trades. So I just take him. Okay, there we go. Drew Holiday's the big one off the board. Okay, 
Kyle, who was involved in the Drew Holiday trade? Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> Eric Eric Bledsoe was in the trade, okay? Mitchell? And also George Hill. Sad but true, George Hill. Well, so, is George Hill a twofer? Do I double dip with George Hill? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that down. We'll get to that down the road. Uh, this most recent does not count for George Hill um, oh, okay. necessarily. I'm not including this last one. Okay, so George Hill is off the board. Um, two more players involved in that deal: one outgoing, one incoming. Now, I will remind you guys that this was like four days after the draft, so. Keep that in mind. <laughs> I'm just, for a half second. I was like, "Who else came?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, Bogdan was supposed to come." And then Walsh ruined it. <laughs> no, that was... uh, I don't remember who else was a part of that Drew Holiday trade. It's gonna bother me. Sam, I can't. I can't recall off the top of my head. Okay. So the incoming guy. Uh, I don't know if he's actually a Mormon, but he played at. Didn't he play at Utah State? Oh, sure. uh, jumping Jesus, jumpers for Jesus. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, you're sorry, Sam guy, you're not yeah, Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill. <laughs> I don't know if Sam's actually religious. Sorry, Sam. Or or Christians listening. I'm trying to not. I'm not. Jumpers for Jesus is outlandish, and I love it. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Right. The the outgoing player, I don't even know who this guy is. So uh, we drafted him like fifty fourth overall. Um, his first name he has an initialized first name. Um, he nothing. Might be in the I got nothing. Still. Let's go take a look. I'm, I'm not going to even bother trying to guess because I have no idea. Okay, uh, Little Elm, Texas's own R.J. Hampton. Left, we drafted him. Um, even though, yeah, know. we drafted him oh. 24th overall and then we shipped him to uh, I believe to New Orleans. Okay, sure. How about that? and he got rerouted elsewhere. So, okay, nobody gets that point for RJ. So, right now it's Mitchell at six, Kyle at five points. Kyle, pick another trade. There are three more, four more, sorry, four more remaining. Okay, um, so the Bucks got Grayson Allen, yes, okay, so that's a point for Grayson Allen. Mitchell, can you name who we traded to get Grayson Allen? I know Sam Merrill ended up there in in Memphis, but where I said Sam Merrill, so it can't be him. Who went That's to? That's not necessarily true. No. Oh man, I'm. Wait. It. I. It, I'm not being clear enough. It. It, it was Sam Merrill. It was yeah. jumpers for Jesus. Oh. This was who we shipped out for. <laughs> Just had to do it one more time. Yeah, Sam Merrill was the one that we sent. So, so this I should clarify: some of these guys are going to be involved in multiple trades, but I'm not going to give you the point until you connect the trades. The guy incoming, outgoing. Okay, so that trade's over. It was just Grayson for Sam. Amazing, we got Grayson. Must have been getting paid nothing for us to be able to absorb. He was still on his rookie contract. Yeah, I was going to say I think he was on a rookie contract at that point. Okay, um, we Kylie started that trade, so we'll give Mitchell the first crack at picking the next trade he would like to start. I mean, three more left. It brought in. We got so many memories from the player that we sent out, and also the players that were sent out with him. But Dante Divincenzo going yes. to Sacramento. Done. Sad yep. day. Sad day indeed, Kyle. We're we're on the Dante trade. Who else do we have involved? We sent out Shemi Ojale. <laughs> Shemi is off the board. 
Shimmy is off the board. But gone but not forgotten, along with Rodney Hood. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right. Thanks for playing, guys. We'll catch you guys next time the podcast are gone. <laughs> okay. And Kyle, who do we trade all those guys in the end end up acquiring? Serge Ibaka. Yeah, Mufuziman. Mufuziman indeed. Okay, great. Um Kyle, pick another trade. There are two trades left. These are these are some deep cut trades, so we're gonna see how it goes. Okay, so and we're doing it from when John Horse and from, Budenholzer were. Correct. So from the first Mike Budenholzer season onward. Okay. I'm pretty sure the Bucks made a trade to get Jason Smith. They did indeed. Jason Smith was involved in a trade to be brought in. Mitchell, can you name anybody else who was in the J? <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call it the Jason Smith trade <laughs> per se, um, but who else was in the the Jason Smith trade for our? <laughs> we had we had that uh, we had that gif of him looking at the guy balancing the ladder on his chin <laughs> with the ladder. With the, like, yes. So that that's the thing I'm remembering the most. I don't remember anything else about that transaction whatsoever. Oh man, no. I've got I've got nothing to come like, that's one of mine right now. Kyle, can you steal a point? Did we trade John Lore? No, we cut. We acquired him at the draft night, and then we cut him. Okay, I didn't know if he was a buyout buy or was, if we traded. Like we got rid of someone non-important, but we we picked up uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and traded for. Um, whatever but that was like uh, i think we traded the draft pick before we made it sort of thing so yeah we did because we got i was pissed off that we spent all that time prepping Mm -hmm. only for it not to matter (laughs) okay so uh i will start giving a couple hints now you guys can kind of just shout out uh the names as necessary so the team involved the cavaliers was the team that we got the player from and where we sent two outgoing players to (gasps) Oh, John oh, George Hill trade. So, oh. Okay, so you each get a point. John Hansen and George one. Hill off the board. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, Matthew, now there was Matthew Delavadova, Delhi, good old Delhi. <laughs> Delhi. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, wonderful. One last trade. Um, the score right now is Mitchell with eleven and Kyle with ten, so it is really close. This was this was another draft night trade. This is the deepest of the deep cuts. I wish you guys luck <laughs> as you go forward. But it was technically a player. This is similar to the um, RJ Hampton, where he was technically on the roster for a couple of days before he ended up getting shipped out for um, other guys. It was a lot of draft night shenanigans. I don't need hints. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm literally sitting here. I was like, "Hold on, was no one of these one of these players who was involved is still on the roster today." Was this the Mamu one? This was the Mamu trade. Okay, so Sandro is off the board. You guys are tied. (laughs) I don't know what else we did for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I would hate if this ends in a tie, but it might end in a tie. I if I will. No way you guys will be able to name who we sent out. You have you have to get this final player to win the damn quiz. <laughs> we okay. Man. So we sent out Isaiah Todd. Who was that? Isaiah Todd. <laughs> Isaiah Todd went out. One more person came in. 
And if one of you guys can nail this, you win the quiz. No pressure. Was it a draft pick in the same draft as Mamu? Technically, yes. I believe he was Mr. Irrelevant or pretty damn close to. It was uh, no, 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 no. It wasn't the same year. No, because that was last year, so it wouldn't have been that. It would... I had to say it to get the name out of my head, but it was not Hugo Besson, right? No, not him. Okay, oh, wait, 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 wait! I know who this is. It's gonna piss me off. Gorgeous. Yes, gorgeous, 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 who had a guaranteed contract, a standard deal. I was like, wait a minute, Alex says with this one. Alex Saratsis strikes again. Gorgeous Georgios, Georgios uh, seals it for Kyle, who wins 12 to 11. Well earned. Well earned. Well, well, well earned. Finally, job, he guys. comes good on something. <laughs> uh, it didn't feel like for a second he might have a future or no. Okay. All right. Here we go. Thank you guys for participating in my silly quiz for a third podcast in a row. Uh, predictions for the week ahead so we can get you guys out of here. Uh, four games. Essentially, all at home. We play the Bulls uh, at on the road, but Tuesday at the or versus the Celtics at home. I assume it's a national TV game at the Bulls on Thursday versus the Heat on Friday, and then versus the new look ish Suns noon tip on Sunday at home. So, uh, Mitchell, what say you? What's your prediction in terms of record for the week? Uh, it's weird because you know the Celtics is obviously a big game, and the game. After that, going down to Chicago comes right before the All-Star break, and nobody is going to want to deal with any of that. And so it's very it's very easy for them to split those two and then welcoming the Heat after the break, welcoming the Suns, noon start, Giannis doesn't get a nap. Ugh, I'm going to be super pessimistic. I'm going to predict two and two. I do think they'll beat Boston. I think they'll just be so over that they're going to lose Chicago. And then I can see them losing to the Heat and beating the Suns because that's just that's the sort of thing that this team does time and time again. Yeah, I, sh- I should note those games. It's the two first games are before the All-Star break, then we have the break, and then those games are the weekend after. But I don't imagine us recording for all-star weekend activities so uh this is just to cover all that kyle how about yourself i'll say three and one um i really want to say four and oh but that's just a very big ask i think beat the celtics beat the balls beat the heat and then fall to the Suns because that will likely be the first game that katie plays for the suns so Plus, it's at noon. Yeah, I'll say that one. I'll, I'll say they lose to the Suns. So the Bucks will continue the winning streak into the All Star break, thirteen straight, and then they'll fall to the Suns. Think about going to that game, and maybe I was also constantly going to that game, and maybe that's what I'll, I'll stop myself. So that way, I don't. I'm not the reason they lose. Me showing up. Yeah, I'm also gonna predict uh, a loss to the Suns just because it'll be perfect. You know, like oh. The new look Suns stopping the 13 game winning streak of the Milwaukee Bucks finals rematch. Be there while Giannis like post five points and 16 turnovers because he didn't get a nap or whatever. It's the stupidest game we've ever seen. So 
um, yeah, I, I predict a loss in that one as well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh God. Yeah. The Bucks have the TNT game on Tuesday, the TNT game that Thursday, <laughs> a Friday ESPN after the all-star break to get the heat on the Friday and then ABC that Sunday. So they want four straight nationally televised games. Horrible. <laughs> just just in time just in time for them to stink up the joint and make everybody write them off all over again with twenty games to go. Yep. And I look forward to being there for it. Uh we look forward to covering it for it or covering it for you. Hopefully here on this podcast, people will figure out when we get kicked off at the end of February what that's gonna look like. Uh episode one forty seven is in the books. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle, for tuning in. Thank you guys, everybody, for uh listening. Um you know, read the site, got the Monday morning media roundup, Wednesday weekly wrap up, uh, Vans Friday report card, whole bunch of other stuff, game coverage, everything you could imagine. Jimmy Haslam slander. We got it. Fucking for you. It's probably um, some all-star break nonsense. We'll maybe, maybe acknowledge Giannis being in the all-star game. Andrew too. Um, but yeah, share it with your friends, Subs- uh, subscribe, it was a review. We haven't seen a review in years, so I'm not even going to bother really asking for one. But uh, thanks for listening anyhow. Talk to you again soon.